Welcome to FinTech Game Changers, brought to you by Tier 1 People and FinTech Australia. I'm your host, Dexter Cousins. I'm joined today by Travis Tyler, Chief Product and Marketing Officer of 86400, an Australian neobank at the forefront of open banking innovation. I talked to Travis about his experience of building a fully cloud-based bank. Travis, welcome to the show. We've got a global audience. Would you be able to tell them a little bit about 86400? Thanks for having me, Dexter. Uh, 86400 is Australia's first smart bank. Uh, we launched in September 2019, and we're a purpose-driven company that is looking to help Australians take control of their money. Uh, rapidly growing, uh, we've launched seven products already since then, and we're looking forward to helping more Australians take control of their money. How's the launch going? Launch is going great. So we've helped tens of thousands of people save, get a better rate, starting to scale mortgages. And then we've got really good advocacy with our customers. So, you know, we've gone through launch, any new business you work through, you know, your, your little bugs and nuances. And now we're getting into really good operating rhythm, which is great. A, a little bit different to the UK model. You went and got a, a full banking license. What's been the advantages for that and, and disadvantages? Well, the... The advantages is that we, uh, that firstly, from a custom perspective, their, their money is protected up to $250,000. So having a government guarantee is really important for people because it's their money and their livelihood. The, the other advantage is launching, we can then build a sustainable business. So we've launched deposits and home loans within you know, 10 weeks of each other. So in the current climate, that's really, really helpful because you need to, to get to a sustainable business model very, very quickly. Um, Obviously, it takes some time. It took us from start to finish probably two years. So uh, that's a, it's a really time-consuming, expensive process, but you also want it to be that. Uh, the financial stability of the country is incredibly important. What's been the big difference between that build phase and now that you're live? Is there a change in the pace or the rhythm of the business at all? That's a really great question. There's probably there's a couple of different ways of looking at that. Firstly, from a people perspective, um, the people that were there at the start when you're building tend to have very different skills to when you launch and you're still yeah. building. So you know, in the start, it's very much around generalists and hustling and, yeah. and getting through the week. And then as, you, as you're running the business and still building it because it's, it's never finished, uh, it, you need more specialists and you need operating rhythm and, and you, you need to look at mm. more facets rather than getting to that next milestone. So... Um, and you know, I thought building a bank was hard. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> building and running a bank is is a lot harder. Yeah, there's a lot of armchair critics out there who all feel they can do a great job of uh, running a neo bank, and it's not that easy, eh? It is. A, it is a uh, well, uh, eighty six four hundred is named after the number of seconds in a day, and I'd say that's 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 what we're working on at the moment. Right, is yeah. all eighty six four hundred <laughs> of them. So you you came from a big four bank in in Westpac. Um, how have you found that transition into a neobank? Uh, look, it, it was definitely an adjustment. I was uh, at a couple of banks for for twenty odd years. Um, luckily, one of the ones that I was 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 smaller and nimble, uh, and then the other one I actually learnt in a big bank a lot about risk management, which right, right now is really really important and structures and process. So. I had a bit of the best of both worlds, but moving into startup, nothing can prepare you for that. Uh, I, I had the benefit of having uh, three months gardening leave, mm. which was helpful. So I spent a bit of time with my one-year-old and three-year-old, yeah. which um, 
I actually read a couple of books that were really helpful. So Chris Hadfield, who was the second Canadian astronaut, and and he talked about um, resilience, but he had this model of minus ones, zeros, and ones. And we all aspire to be a plus one. Yeah. You know, meaning you're always adding value. Um, and then obviously minus ones, you can get where they are. And then the zeros are just people that come in, do the job and get it done. And part of the way he looked when he went into a new environment is how do I go in, contribute, but not create too much friction and noise until mm. I can work out how I fit within the culture. And that was actually really helpful, albeit I don't think I, I think I maybe tried to be a plus one a little bit too much. And then another one I found really helpful was um, first 90 days yeah. and how do you have an impact in your first 90 days yeah. and, and build culture. So that was, that was a big learning for me So it had been somewhere that I, I had history and form, mm. so really stretched myself where I didn't have any. The other one was getting the importance of culture. Everyone talks about it. Uh, when you're in a big organization, culture and the way things are done get driven by process yeah. and operating model and rules. And words on a wall. Correct. Yeah. Whereas you know, culture, if they talk about culture eats strategy for breakfast. No, culture is execution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was that was a massive learning um, coming in and having to, working, you have to work on it every day. Yeah. And uh, in smaller teams, it's more important. Um, one of the other big learnings for me was around the pace of change. So, communication and and I thought that bad communication or, or people not being aligned was a function of size mm. uh, it's actually a function of speed yeah and really? you have to work what, what makes you say that being in a startup the speed is just and, and a startup banks slightly different because you do have the regulation and a bit more structure and things that you know, maybe other startups don't have to do to, to start off with but Everything is, you've got new inputs every day, new environmental moves every day, uh, and then you, you learn new things that you literally have to adapt. You find out in the morning and you have to adapt in the afternoon. So you need to keep people aligned with that direction. Uh, and that was one of the things that I spent a lot of time in my first three months um, working across the organization. I know this is what success looks like for us when we mm-hmm. launch and then continuing to reinforce that. And and then culture as a team, we had to work because we went from eight to 80 in 12 months. Yeah. So you know, we didn't have a culture. So you're working out what your culture yeah. is. And uh, and again, if you, if you don't have a solid culture, you can't execute. Mm-hmm. And that was the, probably the biggest learning yeah. for me out of anything. Yeah. The, the other thing is it, it does start from the, cop, uh, the top around what you do. Uh, also for us, super flat structure, as you mm-hmm. imagine, for a bank, um, and you, you work with everyone in the company. You know, as long as you're less than 200, you know everyone's names, you know what they do, and that sort of thing. And we're approaching 100 now. And if you know, looking at you know, the executive and what you do as an executive, and how you how you carry yourself, and what you do every day, and what you yeah. contribute every day is is far more impactful than it would be in in you know a traditional mm-hmm. large bank. So we're we're kind of a week on now from. Um, the decision that you made at 86400 for people to work remotely and from home um, after the, with coronavirus. Um, I guess, first of all, how were you able to deploy that so quickly? Uh, so we've, we're a bank in the cloud. Uh, everything we do is cloud-based. So um, yeah, actually, one of the big things that I loved when I joined 86400 is I could open my laptop anywhere and start working. Yeah, uh, and I, I wasn't used to that because I had to get this this dongle or this, yeah. and then I had to log into this system. Yep. So 
that's the first thing. There's no friction hmm. to, to work wherever you are. Uh, so we had all the systems and processes and we spent a lot of time and money up front doing that so we could operate anywhere. Um, the, the next one then was we already work uh, remotely across the teams, albeit we're agile and we do need to be together and most people are in the office three to four days a week. Uh, people are one to two days a week working elsewhere. Uh, so we have a culture that already embraces yeah. that 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 way of working, albeit um, I'll share some learnings of this has changed it to a, to a, to a bigger degree. But then the, the the tools we use, so we don't really use email. We right. you know, The predominant way of interacting is through Slack. So it's yeah. really natural for us to go from Slack messaging to Slack video. Yeah. Um, and you know, that that's that's helped us enormously. We did a showcase with 100 people yesterday on Slack. Um, so we're still sticking to the same operating rhythm. So, um, yeah, it's, and we'll have drink carts. Was everybody, was everybody sitting there at home with a Domino's pizza? <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually, we, we at four o'clock, we have what we call drink cart Friday. We're a drink cart. There's non-alcoholic and alcoholic drinks. Uh, last Friday, that did happen as well. Um, someone did uh, have the quarantini, they named it in um, right. <laughs> poorly named, uh, but it, Having having won the culture and the setup from day ones uh, made it made it easy for us. Um, and then the third one I'd add is we got we had our exec co last Thursday, and then we literally had a conversation within half an hour. Told our teams, and the next day the whole business yeah. worked from home. Wow, so that's pretty rapid deployment then. Yeah, well, our our risk officer looked at us and said, "It's going to happen, so we yeah. either do it now or we're forced to do it soon." Yeah. A lot of the questions that I'm feeling from chief execs on monitoring performance, if you haven't already got that in culture instilled, going remote now is going to be very difficult for you to then create a culture where yeah. people are just productive. Um, are there any kind of tools that you guys use that have helped you to get yourselves productive and keep them focused on yeah. you know, what they should be doing, what they need to deliver on a daily basis? So from a whole of organization, we're a week in. So um, if, maybe if I get back together later, I'll tell you how they yeah. work. Uh, and the first thing is it starts with trust. Do you yeah. trust your people and do your people trust you? And that, and that takes some, some time. The second one, our operating rhythm that we've built is agnostic of whether you're in the office or not. You're right. And, yeah. and then having those tools. So when we have stand-ups, people are you – know, it's natural for someone to be uh, you know, come in via Zoom or, or, or Slack. Then you know, I, I still had – so I had my, my uh, fortnightly team meeting yesterday and we went through our team 90-day plan where and, and that stands. So these are the things that you're signing mm. up for the month. Uh, for us, we may adjust some things that we're doing. So – if we've looked at the sort of singular tasks, it's fantastic to get things done because you can get no distractions and just shut off. Um, routine, again, fine. We found um, some of the more creative activities can be done are a bit are a bit more challenging though, but the video has, has helped that a lot because it's hard to draw on a wall yeah. um, and just have that 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 physical um, proximity. Um, and then the solving problems and complex things um, have, have proved to be a little bit more challenging. Yeah. So we're, we're revising how we do those. So for instance, we did our first feature deployment remotely from home wow. um, yesterday. We've got a new feature going live next week. So yeah. hopefully our refer friend yeah. will be live next week. It's on the public roadmap anyway. But that one of the things we learned there is because so many people are involved and you've got to do PIV and, 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 and uh, 
post-implementation verification, then maybe that makes sense to go every three weeks mm. rather than every two weeks. So we're looking at the things that we adjust to make sure that we remain productive and we're just not following the same rhythm for you know and killing ourselves doing it. Uh, and then you know, our we run our business on um, OKRs, so yeah. objectives and key results. Uh, we've got five. As the, we across the business, we all know what they are. They're measured um, every week. Uh, and then you know, we've got a flywheel. So we've sort of adopted that on Amazon concept yeah. of how we're going to rapidly grow the business and that, that doesn't change. So yeah. they are visible and measurable, measurable to um, every every one of our team members. We don't, it's not, you know, they're published just to the mm-hmm. board. Those numbers are visible to the whole team every day and most of them are in real time. I want to talk about your job title. Chief Product and Marketing Officer. Yeah. It's fairly unique to see both roles kind of put under into one person. What have you found have been the benefits of bringing marketing and product together? Yeah, and so it comes back to when when um, our chairman and CEO was setting up the business, and so our chairman, which is which is which is great for me, yeah, uh, is a thirty year marketer. Yeah, uh, Anthony Thompson, yep. who started. Oh, you most, audience will. Know they will well. know very. Yep. They'll know him very well. Uh, so brilliant marketer, and you know, he's written a book on marketing. For instance, uh, no small change. So, and his view is that that marketing is an end end discipline. It's not just doing advertising campaigns and brand. It's actually the end end experience. So, you know, we set up the business in that way. Where, um, you know, so my role is to make sure that we have a wonderful customer experience all the way through from when you first hear about us how we feel in terms of the use of the app, um, you know, the way that issues are handled uh, and even the way that our products are constructed that you know, all rolls up to our purpose mm. of helping Australians take control of their money. So everything we do, that's our North Star. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the benefit from a customer perspective. Organisationally and productivity-wise, we have one strategy. Yeah. Um, we have you know, no one owns the customer. Uh, I learned this actually from a boss of mine that came from Disney, Disney that no one owns a customer. You just own a moment. Yeah. Um, so I work, I work horizontally. So uh, I, I work with the contact center every day, see them in the morning, see them at night, how are we going, uh, engineers. But I'm really clear on actually the service delivery there is delivered by the COO. Yeah. Um, technical delivery is the um, technologist and, and we're really clear on on boundaries in the organization as well and not that I can't go there but there's someone that's better than me at yeah. something so from you know having that remit to go right across from an experience and mm. then just having these incredibly talented people to execute yeah. has been magnificent and I think you touched on this earlier that once you get this size that you're at you really do need to have those specialists in those leadership positions Oh, you you really do, and and then look, the other one is there's just no politics, and yeah. there's a singular point of accountability. So, customer numbers or balance growth, advocacy, yeah. CEO has one person to look at. There's no it's product distribution or marketing's yeah. fault. It's uh, I just come back with here's the problem and here's yeah. here's the solution that we're going after. This was highlighted in the EY FinTech Australia census last, I think, launched in October last year. Um, and it was really interesting that the number one challenge for founders uh, had been talent and it was replaced by product market fit. Have, have you found there's an advantage to, to you being across everything to stop that from happening? Yeah, so if I reflect on my previous experience, everyone had their own strategies depending on which department and division you were in. Mm. So it was hard to get a red thread 
end to end and therefore make sure you're delivering a consistent customer experience. And, and I'll give you an example. We, we had one copywriter in the business who wrote copy for every part of comms that has touched the customer, whether it's operational, marketing, app. Uh, you know, so you just have that same tone and, and feel. We spent a lot of time up front uh, using um, a bunch of different um, design techniques. So firstly, um, yeah, we did all the qual stuff you'd expect, but we actually employed the jobs to be done framework. Yep. Um, we then took that, uh, used a, a, some quantitative techniques around max diff and, and the Kano model um, to understand advocacy. Mm. And we actually tested, so before we launched, we tested our app experience 19 times. Um, now, you still don't know what that's going to be like, but it was also in our staff's hand for nearly 12 months before yeah. we launched. Uh, and then we're, we're focused on two measures of success. Mm. So number one, uh, customer satisfaction, and number two, advocacy. Right. So if we're not doing that, we can't grow. Yeah. And to your point, all, the only way you can grow then is through marketing dollars, and that's yeah. not a sustainable business. So, so you talked about the flywheel uh, mm. hypothesis. Advocacy means people referring and... You're getting yeah. more customers through the current customer base. Correct. Yeah, cool. and and that and it's a really different way of looking at a business um, than how you would traditionally in a bank. And yeah, but if you look at the success of Stripe and Atlassian, it's kind of it's a pretty small way. Yeah, it's a pretty small way of, of growing a business. We've actually brought a bunch of people with e-commerce backgrounds into the business, right? Uh, and it's really challenged our thing. I've learned so much uh, from some of these people. It's just been. It has been humbling mm. and fascinating. To your point, that that's really made us, and I'm really glad you actually asked the question around product market fit because it's something we talk about regularly. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things I do every morning as part of my daily routine is I respond to 30 people in our NPS survey. And it's it's so good to ask that second question to understand, well, how are we getting that product market fit? Mm. Um, you also understand where's the friction. Yeah. Um, and then I can get those issues solved pretty quick as well, which yeah. is good. So if we, we kind of go back, um, I guess, early days of the business and you know, I think the market was maybe a, a little bit skeptical of Cuscal building a neobank. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've been, you know, I'll put my hand up, I've been really pleasantly surprised by not only the quality of the product that you've released, but I think um, you know, everything from the branding, you know, the caliber of people that you, you've hired as well. Um, what, what's been your own experience of that and, and how, how is 86400 kind of managing that relationship with Cuscal? Yeah. Well, before I joined, because I was uh, I was stuck in the the uh, the bubble of the big four. Yeah. Um, I didn't know who Cuscal was, uh, and most Australians don't. That they're you know Australia's biggest independent payments company, and power most most people. Or the, you know, nearly thirty percent of people that are making payments a day. Um, and my experience, uh, the what the best way I would sum it up is, um, they're one of our partners. Uh, so, you know, we're in a separate office, separate board. Um, the only time myself, my team or any of the other teams talk to Cuskill is about our payments um, and, and our payment services. So from a day-to-day, -day, there is absolutely no interaction with them. Um, obviously, um, they're one of our shareholders and they've started the bank, which has been fantastic. Um, and, and that has been really helpful. The, you know, Craig Kennedy, who's the uh, managing director there, you know, I've got to give him the kudos that he set it up 
It was his baby, and he's then given it to someone else and said, you need to make this work, and our CEO, Rob Bell, and, and obviously the chairman. And you know, it, it has set us up for success because payments is unforgiving and having that level of expertise, the capital has been amazing, um, but the payments capability because you know, there's very little revenue in it and an enormous amount of risk and operational challenge and, and that's really helped. And then uh, I've, I've been part of the capital raise for the last 12 months. From an executive perspective, that takes an enormous amount of energy and time. So we we had we were blessed to have you know, 12, 18 months just focused on building and and a business that you know Australians deserve from a bank perspective, and yeah, you know, that that has made a massive difference for us. But you know there is complete separation, and you know, there's there's others in the market that I I think have done a really good job of um, backing some of these new brands and enabling them to do what they do, and then providing services. That actually let you know that part of the business mm. focus on what that, what they can be best at, and acknowledging that you know Cusk will know they aren't a retail bank, they don't have the skill set, so you know they were they were smart enough to yeah. get the right people in to do it. And it, the world's a little bit uncertain right now, but you've got a, a clear product roadmap. Um, what things can we expect from eighty six four hundred over this next twelve months? Yeah, um, yeah, it is. It is definitely interesting times, Dexter. So for those of us that went through the GFC, this is um, uh, number two, but bit bit different. Um, it's number three for me. So yeah, I'm, a, yeah. <laughs> I'm a veteran now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And so, so from a product roadmap. So firstly, we've we've set ourselves up for three versions of banking in the future. So banking is an experience, which is what we're doing right now through the app. Uh, we've also built for day one for uh, banking as a service. So we actually are working on that uh, and, and um, with Cuskill and they'll be mm. our distributor of those services. Uh, and then the third one is banking as a marketplace. So we've, we've put our toe in the water with that, yeah. with our energy switch service. Yeah. And you know, ultimately, you know, that we see that one as a sort of further further along the spectrum yeah. and CDR. Because we should mention that you're part of the pilot group for open banking. We we are yeah, and uh, yeah, that that's been interesting in itself. Um, open banking, you know, we're a big believer in it. That's why we're putting a disproportionate amount of resource into different in into open banking in in our organisation because we believe that customers own the data, and then yeah, you know, we empower customers with that data. They're only going to get better services and better value. Um, it's great we're starting with banking. It'll be even better when we go into to other industries, and it's just it'll it'll spur innovation. But it will put more money back into people's pockets, which will be great yeah. for everyone. So, in terms of product roadmap, we see those three futures. Uh, in terms of um, what we're doing, look, it's it's bringing smart banking to life, and and um, insight driven banking is what we're really really focused on. We have spent an enormous amount of time, energy, and money building uh, our capability, which we call our customer experience engine, which will drive insight driven banking. So. Core banking systems just really treat it as a ledger for us. You know, yeah. All of our code and all you know, we've got 30 engineers. They've all been building uh, what will drive our insight-driven banking going forward. Brilliant. Um, well, Travis, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and really interesting to hear about the journey of 86400. We wish you well navigating this you know, tricky period, but I'm, yeah. I'm confident you'll come out through the other end strong. Um, and thanks very much. Uh, thank you very much, Dexter, and also to everyone out there. Just keep safe and all the best. 
Thanks, Travis, for a super interesting discussion. And a big shout out to our partners, Fintech Australia. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or check out tier1people.com forward slash podcast and sign up to get new episodes and the latest in fintech sent direct to your inbox.